morning, um, uh, just in the time that we have, I want to... Uh, I want to talk about today. I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I'm um, just saying that. I've said it before, but it cues the screen there, cues the picture so that you can uh, just take it all in, all the color and the food. And some of you have got, you know, you've got uh, dinners to go to today. Some of you, you're still hungover from the turkey from last night. You can see the tryptophan in your eyes. You're, 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 you're on your way. Uh, but uh, that's why we have pictures, right? Wake you up. Oh, pictures, right. But um, this morning, um, again, for those who are listening online, you miss out on the pictures, but we're glad that you're taking some time uh, in your day to, to spend that with us uh, and just to put God's Word into your heart through, uh, through technology. We're uh, happy about that. And for those who are here this morning, we're glad you're taking time today just to prioritize Him and, and His Word and allow that to just sort of settle in your heart. So this morning, we're going to start with a little audience participation before we uh, go too far. So if you just look in front of you, there's these little, there's these little cards that say notes at the top. I'm not going to make you take notes. That's not what's happening here. This isn't school, but I'd like everybody to grab one of those, uh, one of those little note cards, if you can, and then grab a pen as well. The kids usually bury the pens in the bottom of those little pockets, so if, if, you, if there's not one there and you need a pen, just raise your hand real quick, and I'll, I'll go around and make sure that you have a pen. If you didn't get one, you got one. You guys need one? Right on. Need a pen? Need a pen? Perfect. Grab that little sheet that says notes. Right on. Right on. You each need... You good? You going to share? You can't share. I know you're married, but you each need one. Here you go. All right. You guys got one? You're all covered? Need pens? Yep. Thank you. You good? You good? Right on. Right on. Thank you. I guess you could text it on your phone, but it's not the same. Um, so this morning, I want you just to take that thing, and I just want you to, at the very top of that list, I want you to just jot down in the next 30 seconds... A number of things that you're thankful for. Things being objects. Last night we had to clarify your spouse is not a thing. Your children are not things. Uh, things that are tangible for you. Objects, things that, that are tangible. Things that you're thankful for this morning. You can write those down. Just start jotting down a list of some of those things. And it, and it might not be that easy today. Um, yesterday my son was praying and we had asked him to give thanks over lunch. And so he begins praying and he starts thanking the Lord for everything, the beautiful day, his family. And then he gets to the stuck. He's like, thank you, Lord, for, uh, thank you for, uh, thank you for, uh. And then he looks around, and we're all looking at him. He's four. He's like, realizes he's got to finish the prayer, wants to make it spiritual, even at his young age, and ends with, Lord, thank you for the sins you gave us. Amen. And so, uh, for some of you, you might be reaching for some things, but just jot down whatever it may be that comes to mind, and your 30 seconds is up. So, now in the next 30 seconds, I want you to jot, draw a line under that, and I want you to write down the names of people that you are thankful that are in your life, and I, I want specific. So, uh, if you can, think of the person and why you're thankful for them uh, being in your life. You can't just jot down, well, I'm thankful for all the people in our church, or I'm thankful for all the Canadians, or whatever it is, um, all the Dutch people, or all my family, because if you're Dutch, that's like a hundred. So just specific names and reasons for who they may be. And I can't count, but that's 30 seconds. All right, so and now I want you to take uh, another, draw another line, and I want you to just jot down what you are thankful uh, for that you would directly attribute to God doing in your life. Obviously, if you want to start with one, the cross and what Jesus did, that's kind of the obvious. You can write that one down. But then what are the things that have happened in your life as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross for you? This one I'm going to actually give you 30 seconds. From the time I started talking. So, 
Time is up. So I just want you to hold on to that list. You can set it beside you. If now that you've learned how to take notes, maybe you may want to take some notes this morning, but uh, just keep it somewhere where you can find it again. Uh, I want to kind of start this morning by uh, asking this question. Have you ever ever had one of those moments where you just wish you could have a do-over in life? You're like, that thing, I just wish, I wish I could go back and, and, and just do that moment over. Uh, I had this a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, driving in Brantford, and, and there's a highway there, the 403, and I was on one of the roads that goes over the highway, and uh, as I drove over, and when I stopped on the top of the bridge in the middle, there's a red light, there's a few cars in front of me, and uh, all of a sudden, Siri tells me, you need to turn right at the, uh, in, in about 100 meters, and I'm looking, and I realize, I'm in the wrong lane to turn right. I'm in the left lane. There's the right lane, and I need to be in that lane to turn right at the bottom of the bridge. And so I look over, and Eleanor, my car, she's not that long. And as I looked over, I realized there was enough space between the cars beside me that I could easily drive into that spot. But I was pretty close to the car in front of me, so as I turned, I was only kind of able to get the nose of my car into that spot. And then as I looked behind uh, that spot uh, that I was trying to get into, there was this Lincoln MDX, MKX, whatever. It was expensive. And it was driving, it was driving up into the spot. And so I saw him moving towards it, and I, I needed to make him realize that I needed to turn right. And so I, I just kept going a little bit further in, and, and uh, he just kept coming a little bit further towards me. And I'm thinking, he must not see. And so I drove even a little bit farther. And so now I'm almost sideways on the road trying to get into that spot because I didn't want to hit the guy in front of me. And then as I'm there, he comes right up to my bumper. Like, we're inches away. So I'm looking through the window at him. I'm, like, waving, like, sheepishly, like, you know, I kind of need to get in here. He looks at me, and he honks. And that, now that's it, right? Now I'm like, I do the like, what gives, you know? I just got to get in here. And he gives me the, you know, what's your problem? This is my lane. And I'm like, unbelievable, right? He looks over at me. He's a senior citizen, I think. Uh, he's definitely older than I am. And I, you know, I can just tell. I can see in his eyes. He looks at me. He's like, this punk thinks he's entitled. And I'm like, you're just old and crotchety, right? And so the, the, we both want the same spot. And then the light turns green, and I go for it. Because I think this guy is so close to me with this expensive car, there's no way he's going to drive across because he's literally going to get all the paint ripped off the side of his vehicle. We're that close. And so I go, and he goes. He turns, sort of swerves around me. I can't believe it. I slam on my brakes because I'm like right at his door as he drives by. He waves. I honk and just leave it on the, on the horn as he goes by. And now, now that's it, right? Like uh, everybody else sees. I'm parallel parked wrong way on this on the bridge so then we go by he goes down I'm following him now and then he turns right onto the next lane and it's a two-lane road which is just like perfect for me in these moments so he drives and he turns into the left lane and I'm behind him I pull up right beside him and every you know once every seven years I get road rageous it just you know I'm good now for <laughs> till I'm good now for a while but as I drove up beside him I'm seething and as I'm like what is his problem that he had to make such a big show and I drive up beside him and I look into his window as I'm parked beside him I do one of these like this. <laughs> Heidi was there for the last time that happened to me. That was years and years ago. 
And I'm like, what gives him the right? And he just looks at me, gives me some sort of wave, and I'm like, that's it, I'm gone. And I book it out of there, and I was like angry. And as I'm, as I'm driving, uh, all of a sudden I realized, you know, about 20 minutes later that the thing I was doing on the other side of the bridge, I, I actually forgot to do. So I had to go back. And so, so I, I went back, and, and then it's like deja vu, right? As I drive up the bridge, coming up to the top of the bridge again, Siri once again telling me to turn right, me once again being in the wrong lane, I'm like, Man, I wish I could have a do-over of that moment. Like, I seriously felt like if we had hit each other, I would have hit that guy. Like, I was that, like, angry. I know, confession time. Your pastor has problems. But uh, I was like, I really wish I could have a do-over. And in that moment, you know, like, there was that still small voice on the inside that said, you know, why did you think you had the right of way? Why did you think that it was like he had to get out of your way? Why did you think that you were entitled to that spot? And I just ignored that small voice. Like, if I had a do-over, I'm pulling in there right away so he can't even get there, and I'll feel a little bit better. And then I go home, and I tell my lovely supporting wife, you know, my story of my day and why I'm a little stressed. And I'm thinking, she's just going to be like, there, there, husband, you were right. You know, that, that guy, he, you know, he's probably whatever. Uh, and, and so, it, but she doesn't, you know. She starts asking me, like, she starts laughing first. She's like, I wish I was there. I missed it, you know. And then she's like, you know, like these questions that all of a sudden brought back those same questions. That voice on the inside of me is like, what did I think that I had the right? Why did I think that I was the one entitled to that spot and that still small voice was there again? Then I really wished I had a do-over. I really wished I could have gone there. I really wished that I could have like smiled and waved and backed up and just whatever, let him through and had actually lived like Jesus was taking the wheel instead of me, right? Like that's kind of what I really hoped. And then I realized something. I have no chance to ever have that do-over. I'm like, that might have been somebody's grandpa from here. I don't know. You know, that could have been, you guys could have been shopping in Brantford and be like, yep, that's Eleanor. Oh, that's, that's Mark. All right, then. No, no chance, right? I'm never going to have the chance to have that do-over. But what I thought about some of these things is there's this generational thing. We, we have difficulty seeing what the next generation, we have difficulty seeing the way they, the, um, they see things. Survivor this year, I don't, after 30-something seasons, I still love watching Survivor. This year, they've taken Generation X versus the Millennials, and they put them against each other because those two groups do not think the same way at all. And Beth and I watch. We're actually both Millennials, but I'm in the first year of Millennials, so I'm, I, I think much more like a Generation Xer. And as we're, as we're watching, we, we like say, hey, so what do you think they're going to do? And she'll say exactly what she thinks, and I'll say exactly what I think. And sure enough, those people do what we thought they would do. It's like this generational, um, this, this generational, uh, thought uh, or culture that we've, we kind of embrace and we don't even realize it. And so, you know, one of the things about the generations, they don't really see eye to eye and there's these generation wars that we talk about, you know, like the baby boomers. If the people up on the top row, if those are your people, you know, I mean, I know, I know you're like, hey, I don't want to vote for, I hope they don't vote for either one of those people because if, you know, either one of those becomes president, we're in trouble. Yeah, that's not as bad as when Kanye runs for president in a few years, right? Like that generation, but they don't they don't get, you know, the next generation. Generation X, you know, there's my guy, you know, Zoolander. Uh, that, those are my people. And then Generation Y at the bottom. And you know why they call them Generation Y? Because they ask, you know, hey, you, you know, you need to get a job. And they say, you need to support yourself. They say, you're, you know, you're not entitled to everything and doing nothing. And they say, why? Right. It's just this. It's, it's the one thing. It's, it's the one thing that all the other generations have the biggest complaint about this, this next generation. Anybody know what that is? That lazy, yeah, that's one of them. It's all kind of tied together. They're lazy, but they expect what? 
Entitlement. They expect everything. And, and so, you know, like some of you are like nodding, yes, that generation Y, I'm glad my kids are here. Hey, it's time to move out. You're 28. You know, get a job. Stop playing video games all the time. It's in the Bible. So parents, I got something for you here. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul wrote this and said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, which I can tell this is the last days because of this, it says there will be very difficult times for, um, for people who love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. They'll be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll be unthankful in the last days. And it's like this generation that we have kind of being raised, it's like they just don't, they're not thankful for anything. They think the world owes it to them. I don't know about you, but I have young kids, and it feels like I constantly have to remind them to say, thank you. It's like you, you know, you give them something, and, and, you, and they take it, and you're like, what do you say? Oh, yeah, thank you. If we, we took them out uh, the other day. I, yeah, I took them to the fair, and Beth had asked for her birthday that we could just go to the fair and do like she did when she was a kid and just buy the stuff that she wants. I'm like, those donuts are way too much money, and, you know, that cotton candy is just terrible or whatever. But we just wanted to have this fun experience. So we just went in there, and we did whatever. We, we bought donuts, and we had poutine, and we got face painted. And it was like, not us, the kids. You know, we, we did all this fun stuff for the kids. And then as we're driving home, and we, we're leaving, and we go past Tim Hortons, all I hear from the back seat is, hey, Dad, can we stop for some dough? That voice clicked in. And they realize, wait, we've just had, like, donuts and cotton candy. And every, I couldn't believe it. It's finally happening. And then all of a sudden, in the back, we're like, Thank you, Dad, for taking us to the fair. Thank you, Mom, for taking us to the fair. Right? And they realize. And I'm like, yes. They realize. But this, this, this generation behind us, we think, man, they're just completely ungrateful. And we want to blame that generation for that. But you know what? They're not the only generation that's grown up being ungrateful or unthankful. And they're not the only generation that still uh, remains ungrateful or unthankful and kind of wears that stamp. January 31st, 1957. Anybody remember that date? January 31st, 1957. We're not going to have a show of hands. But, the, you know, some of our boomers may uh, be, have been uh, there at that time. Do you realize that on that day, uh, the Canadian Parliament proclaimed this? They said, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed is to be observed on the second Monday of October from here on in. There's this thing of saying, hey, we're, there's going to be a day. And they had celebrated this Thanksgiving Day for hundreds of years. It was at different times and different seasons, but they said, we're going to make sure this day never gets forgotten. It will be on this day every year. It's a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God. Do you realize that around Canada and even in churches, there's people who do Thanksgiving Day and they're thankful that it's a holiday and they get a day off work. They're thankful to, you know, have turkey dinners, but as far as thankful to Almighty God, it's just really not there. You know, we live our lives in such lavishness compared to other countries and so often forget that there's thanks to, to God that for each and every part of that, and, and we don't often see it. And all through the Bible, from where time began, this topic of thanksgiving is mentioned as a reminder. It's all the way through the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the words thanksgiving were translated in two different words. We, we translate them praise, but they were actually the words thanksgiving, and one is called yada, and one's called toda. And the words, these two words of praise, you know, they, the one word yada means this idea of reaching out your hand to, uh, to the Lord. That's the idea of thanksgiving with a hand outstretched. That's, that's one way of saying thanks. And the other one was audibly, verbally um, saying thank you audible giving of thanks. And so they said these ideas of yada and toda, we kind of have this idea of just praise. But this morning when you're like, you're sitting here, maybe you're new or maybe you've been here forever. And you're like, 
how come when they're singing the songs, this row right here got their hands up in the air? Yada. Thanksgiving to the Lord. Just praise. Uh, the idea of, of, of hands raised and, and uh, uh, the, the audibly saying thanks, giving thanks, is something that the Old Testament was full of. And so every time they heard the word praise, they wouldn't hear it praise. They would hear either these yada or toda. And so in the Levitical laws, they said when a, every year they would have a toda sacrifice, this idea of a Thanksgiving sacrificial meal that they were to have every single year. And if a life was saved, if someone almost died and was saved, they would have a sacrificial meal called the toda meal. In Levitical, um, that was in the Levitical laws, in the in the Psalms, they wrote these songs of thanksgiving, these songs of Yada, these songs of Toda, uh, and it was these, these things like you may have heard, Psalm 100, verse 4. You know, for some of you, you're like, I don't know what that is until we start singing, I will enter his gates with, I will enter. Yeah, see, you guys know that tune, right? So from way back, but it was those things of um, the idea, he said, I will enter his courts. It uses four Hebrew words of praise in here. This idea of I'm going to come before uh, him uh, into his gates with yada, that idea of I'm coming in with hands up, thanking God. I'm coming in uh, with the audibly thanking him. Uh, and so see, they would enter the gates. When the Israelites went to the temple to worship, on the way through, they'd be telling each other, hey man, look at what God did for me this year. Check out my fatted calf. This is like the blessing that God has on my life. And everybody like, yeah, praise God. And other guys, hey, check out my fatted wife over here. She's going to have twins, right? And they'd be like, yeah, praise God. Your family's growing. And it was, it was okay to say that back then. And they would say, you know, these things of check out what God has done for me. And so by the time they got to the, to the gates of the temple, they're like, God's awesome. Look what he's done for him and for them. And, for, and man, look at what he's done for me. It's one of the reasons we pass the mic around is to say, hey, tell us what God has done so we together can give him thanks and give him praise. Paul, in the New Testament, um, well, sorry, in the end of the Old Testament in Psalm 95, it also just says this, come before his presence with thanksgiving. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. How often do we come before his presence with everything else? God, I just need, you know, or God, I just want. God, I'll come before your presence with my cares or my concerns. You're like, God, I really hope they sing that song today. Then I can worship you. You're like, God, I really hope they don't sing that song today or I ain't worshiping. He just said, come before his presence with that giving of thanks, thanking him for what you have and what he's done already. In the New Testament, the word's called Eucharisto, this idea of actively um, having grateful language. And it's based on, you know, some of you, are you familiar, if you're uh, familiar with the uh, uh, Catholic um, uh, church, they, they had this thing called the Holy Eucharist. And maybe you're familiar with that word, like, ah, Eucharisto. The reason it's called Eucharist is because it's actually taken after the Thanksgiving part of that meal. When Jesus got up, he took the cup, he took the bread, and what? He gave thanks. He Eucharisto, he gave thanks to God. Uh, and so he gave that as uh, an illustration um, to, the, to his disciples. Then Paul, in his letters to the churches, he wrote to the Colossians, the Philippians, the Thessalonians, the Corinthians. At the beginning of all the letters, he would write, I, Paul, am thankful for you. I, Eucharisto, you. I'm giving thanks to God because you're in my life, is what he would write to them. And at the end, when he would close, he would tell them, hey, listen, I want you to be thankful. I want you to give thanks for, for those who are in your life. I want you to give thanks. I want you to be thankful. And then John John, who was one of the followers of Jesus, he writes down a glimpse of what's happening in eternity today. He says there's a huge crowd of people, 
more than you could number. There's angels everywhere. There's these elders that surround the throne. There's these four magnificent beings falling on their faces before the throne of God in this vision. And he says, he says this. This is what they're singing. Revelation chapter 7, verse 12. He says, they sang, amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, and thanksgiving. Eucharisto, thank you to our God. Uh, and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Do you realize that forever and eternity, there will be no shortage of things to thank God for? And that, you know, if we're going to be doing that for eternity, we probably should get good at doing it now. That idea of thanking God for everything that he's done, you're like, that takes a little bit of intention and thought. Exactly. It's why we're here this morning. Why? Why is Thanksgiving or the giving of thanks, the actual giving thanks to God so important? A couple of things. Number one, you know, have you ever realized that you don't, you know, there's things you don't notice around you until something happens and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere? It's like you buy a new car. When we got our um, sweet minivan out here, you know, I bought the minivan and I, I, I never noticed anybody else that had a cool minivan like me. It's got the words RT on the back. We named him Artie. Uh, and so RT, uh, it's like, this is like the souped up sport van. And, and I'm like, man, I'm the only one who's got this. I'm like the king of all of them and now, right? And as I'm driving around, all of a sudden I see all these vans. That, uh, lots of them have the, the letters RT in the back. Never saw them before. And then all of a sudden you see it everywhere. In my, in my original story that I shared with you this morning of being on the bridge, after that, that still small voice in my heart a number of weeks ago was like this idea of, Mark, you need to be more thankful. And it wasn't like you need to be less road rageous, you know, you need to deal with your anger. It was this idea of you need to be more thankful. And you know what's crazy is all of a sudden, I began to see this idea of thanksgiving and thankfulness all around me. And I, I just really hadn't noticed it before. But here's why it's so important. If you're taking notes, jot down these four quick thoughts. Number one, it's the cure. It's the cure for entitlement and selfishness. It's the cure for entitlement and selfishness, this idea of giving thanks. You know, when Israel was about to go into the promised land, Moses took them aside and said, listen, I'm not going with you, but you're about to go into an amazing land where God will do and has done already amazing things for you. You're going to move into houses you never built. You're going to draw water from wells that you never dug. You're going to eat fruit from trees you never planted. And when you get there and when life is really, really good, he said this, don't forget God. Don't forget that it was him who brought you to that place. Remain thankful for all of it because you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He brought you in there and gave it to you. Remain thankful. Stephen Aitchison said this, successful people have a sense of gratitude and unsuccessful people have a sense of entitlement. I have no idea who Stephen Aitchison is, but he's true. He's right. This idea of real success is, that, is people who have that sense of gratitude. Remind me of a story in 1860, in September of 1860, there was a ship called the Lady Elgin on Lake Michigan, and it collided with another ship and, and began to break apart. And most of her 300 passengers and crew drowned pretty quickly in the frigid waters. But some of them were able to hang on to some of the parts of the ship uh, as it was um, uh, breaking apart and drifting towards shore. And on shore, there was a young guy, a Northwestern University student. His name was Edward Spencer, and he could swim. So him and his buddies right there uh, on the shore, they grabbed a long rope, and he began to swim out into the water to grab these people, and his buddies would pull him back on the rope. And he went out one after another after another in this, in this frigid water in the middle of the night. And as they dragged these people in, he was able to rescue 17 of them. 
before his body just gave out. His, he was covered in scrapes and scars. The water uh, had just caused him to not, no longer be able to swim. And they, uh, they brought him into the hospital and his questions on his face. He's just like, did I do my best? Did I do enough? Did I reach enough? And they said, you saved 17 lives. You gave your all. And his all um, ended up requiring that the rest of his life would be lived in a wheelchair. And he said that he was haunted by those faces of the people in the water that he wasn't able to rescue for years and years and years. It was 50 years before he was able to return to that place where he had rescued those people. And and shortly after that, he died. He was buried in that area. There's a plaque there to commemorate him. But at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the 17 people that he had rescued ever came back to thank him crazy, eh? When you think of it, but it's that idea of what were they thinking? Why didn't they come back? Maybe they thought, you know, I was just lucky. Maybe, wow, I I deserve that in some way. Wow, as an angel, I can never find him to thank him anyways, but not one of the 17. You know, the Bible tells a similar story. It's just a little bit better, and many of you have heard it if you went to Sunday school. Luke, uh, a guy who was all about making sure I got all the details right. He didn't know Jesus. Luke was not a guy who traveled with Jesus, but he knew all the people who did. And so he sat down and he said, tell me the stories of Jesus, and I'm going to write this down because people need to hear these stories you know, in, in the years to come. And because he did that, we have it today. And one of the stories they remembered was this one, that there was 10 lepers that came to Jesus one day as he was out and said, have mercy on us. And it says this in Luke chapter 17, verse 14, Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests, which is something they would have to do if they were healed. They were still lepers. And they said, well, okay, we'll go show ourselves to the priests. It says, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He came shouting, Eucharisto, uh, this idea of blessing the Lord in the loud voice. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him. Again, that Eucharisto, that thanking Jesus for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan, which all of his people there would have, would have looked down on him for that, just for, for his um, birth. But Jesus asked him, said, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? See, what happens is when we give thanks, when we intentionally give thanks, it brings glory to God. He's saying, has none of them returned? I read this thing that says, you know, there's probably nine other excuses. One was like, well, I don't know if he was the one who did it because I just got better on the way, you know. And others were like, well, oh, man, I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm um, uh, free of leprosy now. Now I can go, you know, I can go back to my family. I'm going to hurry straight there. For some, they may have said, well, I was already kind of feeling better already, whatever it may have been. But nine of them had excuses, nine real people. It's not just a story, but it's so, so, um, uh, such a picture of that idea of, you know, out of 10, one just thinks intentionally to be the one to give thanks. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one. It's the cure for entitlement and selfishness. Number two, it's the cure for complaining. See, because some of you think I've been a little bit hard on Generation Y today, saying, hey, it's that generation that, you know, they're, they're such, so much entitlement. But generations, the other ones, you're all a bunch of complainers, right? It's like that idea of, oh, it's complain about that next generation. And you know what? Entitlement, or I mean, sorry, Thanksgiving, is really the cure for that complaining as well. I went and visited E.B. in the hospital this week, and uh, they had called me and told me that he had, um, he had pneumonia, and not, just a number of weeks ago, he already had some surgery on his face. He had to have some, some cancer removed and from his ear, and, and I'd seen him then, and, and they had to remove some, uh, ca- um, some cancer from in his mouth, so his teeth didn't fit, and he was like, you know, he's, and I'm thinking, I'm going to go there, and he's going to be miserable. I just know it, uh, and so I, I went, and I stopped at Tim Hortons because I got some happiness in a cup, and I, I decided I'll bring it to, to E.B. in the hospital, and I 
got in there, and I was like, he's smiling, and he's sitting up, and I, I sit down, and I give him the coffee, and normally he'd take a drink right away. He puts the coffee on the shelf. I'm like, wow, he doesn't even need the coffee. Like, this is, this is incredible, and as I, I sit beside him, he begins to tell me the words that come out of his mouth. Mark, I am just so thankful for this hospital. I am so thankful to be able to be, to be here. I'm thinking, you know, do you want to get out today? He's like, I'm here till Friday, and I'm just thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for, the, for, the, for, for my kids. He said, you know, I'm thankful for my daughters who take such good care of me. And I'm like listening to him. I'm thinking, you're not in a great spot. He's like, I'm thankful for this chair, and I'm thankful for the TV that I get to watch until Friday. I'm like, but that's all he has in there. I know he's right here, but I was just so impressed. You know, bed, TV, chair. And he's like, I just kind of go back and forth. And he's like, but I'm just so thankful. And I'm like, man, I told him as I left, E.B., I hope that I'm as, you know, I'm, I hope that I'm more like you when I grow up someday as well. Just that idea of being thankful because he says, you know what, I could complain, but you know what, I'd rather be thankful for what I have. And it's, it's incredible because Thanksgiving, it's the cure for, that, for complaining. Thanksgiving's the cure for worry. Paul was sitting in a prison cell, and prison in Rome was not like prison here. There's no video games. There's no three square meals a day. There's no, like, um, prison garb. He's sitting there not knowing if he's going to eat, not knowing if he's going to have clothes. He doesn't know, as he's sitting there, if he's going to survive or or if he's going to be executed tomorrow. And he writes, with all those concerns on his heart and his mind, he writes to the Philippians, and he says to them in Philippians chapter 4, he says, don't worry about anything anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him. Eucharisto him for all he has done. It was this idea that, you know what, you might think that worrying is going to take over your mind, and it will if you let it. It's like this little trickling stream in your mind that everything else falls into, and it becomes this chasm that that's all you can think about. He's like, if you're in that spot, he's like, don't worry about anything. Like, well, I can't do that. He's like, I know. So here's what you do instead. Begin to thank God in everything. Not for everything. God's not putting you in these bad situations, but he hasn't forgotten you. And for some, it's like this, this thing of it's difficult, and we don't know what to do, but it's a cure for worry. And when worry gets to the farthest end degree, Thanksgiving is a cure for despair as well. When there feels like there's no hope, Thanksgiving is what, what brings that, that hope uh, back. The psalmist wrote these words in Psalm chapter 42. Out of deep sorrow, out of deep discouragement, I challenge you if you're in a dark spot, go home and read all of Psalm 42. But he says, you know what, God, I feel like everyone's against me. I don't know if you're listening to me. I don't know what's going on. The end, he writes this, but he says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I know I'm in despair. I know I'm in this place. He says, you know what? I'm not staying there. That's what he's saying. Why, why am I focusing on this? He says, I will put my hope in God and I will praise. I will yada. I will reach out my hand to him again in thanksgiving. He's my savior and my God. It was this idea of, you know what? I will, I will put my hope in God by giving thanks for what God has done. I will remember to be thankful when it's going badly in my life. For some of us, you know, we remember the miracles, the amazing things that, that have happened in our lives. When you go through dark times, remember the victories of, the, of your past in the battles of your present. Remember, put your mind on, I know that God's been faithful in my life. There's a pastor named Alexander White, Scottish pastor, that he was known every Sunday morning as he would pray he would, he would thank God for something every single morning. Well, one day as they got together, it was a pretty gloomy day outside. 
And uh, one of his parishioners thought, man, I don't know, everything's kind of gone wrong this week. I don't know what he's going to have to be thankful for. And as he stood up to pray, he said these words. He says, thank you, Lord, that it's not always like this. And for some of you, that's, that's your only thanks you've got right now. God, everything is like, everything is going wrong in my life. But I can still thank you that it's not always like this. That you've been faithful in my past. I know you can be faithful in my future. That I can thank you that you are faithful. I met a lady, well, I met her, I saw her again yesterday. She recently moved. She uh, lost her husband just over a year ago. She has four kids, single mom. Some of the kids have been giving her some difficulty, and it was like she was stressed to the max. And I saw her yesterday as she came over to my house, and she kind of described it. There was just this light in her eyes. And as I looked at her, I was like, how are you, how are you handling all this? And she says, you know what? So I just realized to be thankful for what I do have. I can't control all of that, but I'm thankful. Every morning I wake up and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus, for today, that I've got you with me today. And she says every night, she's like, Jesus, thank you that you were with me today, that you didn't leave me today. She says, sometimes that's all I've got, but it's why I'm standing here today. See, because I didn't see this gratitude when I was sitting in that spot on that road that day. And yet when I was awakened to it, I started to see it everywhere. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, I desire that you would live a life of, of gratitude. He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, no matter what it is, give thanks. Again, not giving thanks for it. Yeah, God, thank you for making me sick. He never did that. But in those times of sickness, in those times of, of, of struggle, to say, God, thank you that you are with me. Thank you that your strength supports me. Thank you that you are my hope. Thank you that you are the one that I can rely on. But to say it out loud, he says, because this is the will of God for, uh, 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 for you in Christ Jesus. Not just to be thankful. There's lots of people who are thankful. They just fail to ever be, to ever speak out that gratitude. And so the idea of thanksgiving is not just to be thankful. It's the idea to give that thanks. It's the idea of either I'm going to speak it or I'm going to write it, but I'm going to give that thanks out to someone. You know, hearing, us, hearing the words thank you, it, it lights you up. You know, when people genuinely have said, you know, thanks to me for something, it's like, oh, there's something that makes you feel good on the inside. Some of you send out cards and, and things like that. Uh, yesterday, as I was sitting at my desk, I just looked up and I saw these cards on my windowsill above my, above my desk. And I'm not a card guy. When you send me cards, they usually read them and to the trash. I'm sorry, even if they're like your baby, you just had a baby, and you post that nice picture, you're like, here you go. I'm like, oh, no, all right. You know, or it's like, whatever. Sorry, just being honest. But the cards, that my wife keeps them all, okay, just... Just so you know, you can keep sending them our way, but not for me, right? Like, I, I just don't. But then when I realize on my shelf, there's four cards covered in, in spider webs. I need to dust my office, but there's these four cards, and all on the front of them, it all says those words, thank you. Those are the ones that sat up there, and I was like, man, it's, it's interesting how some of those things are the ones that, that matter. And, and so I, I, I think, you know, if, if it lights me up and if it lights you up, what does it do to the heart of our Heavenly Father to hear his kids say, thank you, Dad? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Last thought, Ann Voskamp. I don't know if you are familiar with Ann, but this is Ann Voskamp. And she, uh, Ann writes, uh, writes uh, she wrote a book, but she wrote about how when she was four years old, she watched as her younger sister was crushed by a truck in, the, in a, a delivery truck in her driveway. She saw it. She saw her parents' reactions to it. She saw her mom holding her, her little sister. And she remembers these things, how it brought such great despair and doubt of God's goodness at all. Uh, in, in, if that was at all possible, it was uh, something that they couldn't find. Her mom checked herself into a psychiatric ward. Her dad 
it says, struggled to find God anywhere. And as an adult, she was stood beside her, her brother-in-law as he buried his first two sons. And she says, it's all around me, all that there was, was darkness. Not being able to see the goodness, not being able to see God's gifts at all. And then she started to realize, she's like, she kept saying, you know, I want to see God's gifts, I want to see this goodness. And then she started realizing that she could look for God's goodness and God's gifts in those times of darkness. She realized that Jesus, in his final hours, knowing that he was going to the cross, it says he gave thanks. It was that word, he eucharisto. He, knowing that he was about to go through the greatest pain of his life, he gave thanks to God. And it says, uh, she said this, uh, an incredible quote, and uh, she said this, you defeat the dark when Thanksgiving is your default. For those of you who are in dark times, you truly defeat the dark when Thanksgiving is your default. And we choose to make that our default. We choose to say, no matter what, God, I'm going to be thankful. So she began to write down things that she was thankful for. She began to write down this list. And she challenged herself to write 1,000 things down on a list. And she turned that into a book, which is called A Thousand Gifts. Things she found while she was living in the darkness. Which brings me back to where we started this morning. You wrote down a list. Would you just grab it? Would you hold that in front of you for a second? Because what about you and what about me? This isn't just like a, hey, let's have a great Thanksgiving-themed message. What about us? What are the things that we're thankful for, really thankful for? For some of you, it was really hard to write anything down at that, at that first part because you're like, right now, it's the darkness surrounds you. For some, you're going to go through seasons of darkness, and it'll be in those moments that you will uh, most likely forget to be thankful. For some of you, things are just going so well, you're just not even sure what you're thankful for. But whatever you wrote, whatever you wrote, when's the last time that you sat down and said, wow, you know what, I really am thankful for that in my life? When's the last time you sat down and just told yourself, wow, I'm really, I'm thankful for those things? What about the people? Maybe you wrote your spouse, maybe you wrote children, parents, friends, church, boss. When was the last time that you actually told that person that you're thankful for them? Some of you are like, you don't know my spouse. You know, I'm thankful. <laughs> I don't have much to be. Maybe you can just start with, I'm thankful that the lazy boy doesn't move around the house all on its own because he sits in it to keep it in place. You know, whatever, whatever it might be, start somewhere, right? But this idea of, I, I'll be thankful. A couple, uh, a, a while, like in this time of, th- of being reminded of Thanksgiving, I decided, you know, that I am so grateful for my wife uh, and the amazing woman that she is, and, and I just don't tell her that enough. And so I, one night I said, Beth, I am just, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you said I do, you know, and didn't, didn't uh, you know, t- take off on me. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you stuck with me when we went through difficult things. I'm, I'm thankful for the mom that you are. I'm thankful for the teacher that you are. I'm thankful for your passion for, for teaching our kids spiritual things and helping them to know the Lord as they shared those things. She's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and then like the next question, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want anything, right? I just, I just want you to know. And you know what? The, the, the fact that that was her response just tells me that I just don't thank her enough. And so it's this thing, when's the last time you just said thank you to your spouse? Because this idea of living out of thanksgiving, it, it brings incredible things in relationship. When's the last time you thanked your boss for giving you a job. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> what? Nobody does that. When's the last time? You, you know, you, you can't do it for the idea of raises, but I tell you, if I was a boss and had people who are like, man, I'm just really thankful to be able to work here and work for you, would be like, make me feel really good about myself, which you just did. And so next time things come around, out, you know what? Reciprocation. Why? Because there's something about it. Don't misuse that. Thanksgiving. 
When did you thank your kids for the fact that they're in your life? What is it? So my, and the last thought is this, when's the last time you just sat down and thanked God, really gave thanks, really was that idea of verbally, audibly saying thanks to God for the forgiveness, for freedom, for blessings, for the miracles, for life, for breath, for hope, for air, for today, for the people around you, for the chance to be alive, whatever it was, when's the last time you just really said thank you? Because you don't really get a chance to really do over life. You don't. You know, as much as I want that chance to have that do-over, I'm not going to get it. I can't go back to that moment. And you can't go back to all the moments in your life where you failed to be thankful, but you can start today. You've got the chance to live it today. And so with Thanksgiving, this day that was set aside to be a reminder, you've got the option today to just to enjoy this day, this one day, uh, enjoying it, saying, you know what, yeah, I'm going to be thankful today and, uh, you know, for whatever that may be. Or you have the chance to live a whole life of giving thanks no matter what, is saying, I'm going to make it my default. Let's, set, let's change the culture. They may say this generation is ungrateful, but not me. Not me, because I know that what I have is a gift from the Lord. Who I am, there's a gift from God. You know, I'm thankful for this church. I was telling them last night, I am grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for people who understand that church is about the people and not about the service, that you live it out 24-7. People call, and, t- and, and when I talk to people, they're like, oh, I know some people from your church. And, uh, and usually the next thing is, they're really awesome. You know, they do this and this. I'm grateful. Other pastors wish they could be me, right? Because it's like they, they don't have what I have. And I just want to let you know I am grateful for that. I don't take that for granted. So thank you for letting me be a part of doing family and doing church with you guys. But I want to challenge you with this thought. As we go from here, I want you to take your list home with you today. And I want you to find some way to verbally, audibly give thanks, number one, to those people that are in your life. Find a way. And if you're a texter, be careful who you text. Last night we had one person go home and she texted her daughter, thank you for being such an amazing husband in my life. And Daryl just sits there waiting, wishing he was thanked. You know, (laughs) but find a way. And then I would encourage you to find a way to give thanks to God. And maybe next week it's like you just raising your hand. You know, whatever it is, I'm just going to be thankful to the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. I mean that. Because your word, it brings such change in our lives. It just makes us aware of where we're, where, where we're lacking, but it also gives us the power to live out what you desire for our lives to be. <laughs> thank you for knowing how life works and for giving us the tools to, to see that work. And Jesus, above all, thank you. Thank you for enduring the cross, the incredible pain that you went through to buy our freedom, to redeem us, to just be able to allow us to be connected with you. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. That will never get old. That will never lose its power. We're grateful for that this morning. May we go out from here today just so aware of uh, how amazing you are. May our world just be able to get a glimpse of that because of our gratitude for you. Thank you, Jesus, as we go and see our families over this time. May they have just a, a glimpse into how amazing you are as well. May we be that light and be that salt in our world around us this week for you, for your name, for your glory, because we're thankful. Pray, amen.